Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like instead of keeping it to myself. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of me be here, I feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate and supportive environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of the Healing Path podcast. Today, I'm chatting about a post that is part of our grief public service announcement series, and it's number five, um, which is this. Many of us want to talk about our loved ones even after they've died. So I'm going to go ahead and read through the post. Um, I'm going to also just review the, the most recent ones that we've covered, one, two, three, and four. And I just want to say a note before jumping into this about redundant content, Um if you're listening to these podcasts and or reading the blog entries, hopefully you're beginning to um, notice that there's a lot of repeated content. And I, particularly with this grief series, and I, I do, that's intentional because what I have certainly learned is that it's just not as complicated as our unique situation is complicated, but the rest of it, it's not as complicated as we think. There's just some really basic, like, big building blocks we can use to build a foundation to start paving our healing path. And I think people around us having access to some of those, you know, well-kept secrets is a little way to help. And I also think that having each other in the community to talk about these things is another way. And, you know, there is no one way that we're going to be able to create our healing path, but um, these are all little things. And so going back to some of the, the same themes is intentional. And I would also just say that from a grief perspective, at any given moment, I have many posts and post threads being created all the time in my phone, when I'm walking, when I'm working, when I'm sleeping and I wake up. Um, I never am at a loss for something to say about grief. So there's no risk of that. So if you're interested, let's talk about the grief uh, public service announcement number five. And recall that we've already discussed the first one, which is time doesn't heal all wounds. The second one is that when we lose someone we love, they never go away. The third is that we can welcome the experience of grief. I love this one, that we can welcome the experience of grief without welcoming the loss itself. That's that's a huge one. Um Number four is that there's no right thing to say for anyone grieving or if you're supporting someone who is. And then today we're talking about this idea that we are really conditioned not to bring up the name 
of someone that died. And so we first started talking about this last summer, and it, I think it, it's a it can be a hard one to get our heads around because it's um, counterintuitive and it's surprising because we're kind of taught that you know we were to walk on eggshells around people in pain, don't say the wrong thing for goodness sake. And so if that means saying nothing, then go with that. Um, so jumping into the post, if we apply the person is so fragile that it might break them if I ask about the person who has died approach really, really does a disservice to the person in grief and to you. Because as you are trying so hard not to say the wrong thing, you allow the person grieving to slip further into isolation and feelings of being alone and unseen and unheard. And this experience of isolation just makes everything worse for the person grieving. So, and also at the same time, if you miss the chance to connect with authenticity, then, you know, in the long run, both the person grieving and you as the supporter or vice versa, miss out on at least the opportunity to have some kind of shared wisdom um, or the experience of belonging, however this can play out. So since grief is part of the human condition, this is so funny to me, wouldn't it make sense that we would try and learn from others who have gone before us, just as we do with anything we're trying to learn? Shouldn't we look for signs or proof that our loss is survivable? And wouldn't we want to learn best practices from someone who's walked the walk so we don't have to fall on our faces alone for 20 years like I used to? Yet we don't seem to have these role models to learn from because we're all taught that once a person dies, that we should not, as in not ever, bring the deceased person up again unless the person grieving does it first. And this works great. If we want to struggle our entire lives trying to keep our heads above the grief threshold at all costs until we die, great, no problem. This is a great strategy. But if we're interested in peace and a less rocky existence, we want to talk about the deceased. We want to find small ways of including them in holidays or meaningful, even personal private moments or even in our day-to-day -day activities. And one of the avenues we have to do this when we're hurting opens up when someone asks us gently how we're doing or what it's like. And it can really become a gift because even though it hurts, we still have that chance um, to try and express our feelings and we can feel seen. So here are a couple questions. And furthermore, there is a link to the previous post on this from last August in the very top part of the post. If you want to get back to the original um, blog post, which has a lot of other suggestions as far as questions and how to have these conversations. So questions like these can open the door for communication without assuming the person wants to talk. Things like, quote, how are things for you, unquote, or how is it living without your daughter? Or, quote, have you experienced physical symptoms of grief? I've heard they can be difficult to manage, unquote. And the key, this is a big one, the key is to listen to the answer and while we simultaneously look at the body language, you know, while that answer is being contemplated or shared before we, you know, dig deeper because the person will most likely, the griever will most likely move on to the next subject if they don't want to talk about it. 
So if you say, hi, you know, have you experienced physical symptoms of grief? I've heard a lot about them. And the person goes, what are we doing for lunch today? You know, that's our cue to, to take that step back. But if they seem open and they maybe answer your question with a question or they share something, then um, you have that opportunity for connection and, and even shared wisdom. But at the very least, if they do the, hey, what time is lunch response, it's still a gift because they know that you're thinking of them and they can feel that unconditional presence just by virtue of asking the question. And another tip on this, by all means, don't ask if you don't care or don't ask if you're not going to have a couple minutes to um, engage with the person. Because as a griever, I can tell you worse than the challenge of trying to open up to begin with is to bear our souls and feel abandoned when the person who asked the question is now daydreaming <laughs> during our response or checking their phone or running off to their next meeting. So um, asking the question alone can make folks feel less alone. Um, and they may want to talk about their loved ones who died. I know I do. And I know sometimes when I don't, I'll indicate that and I'll give that information to to someone who might be asking or if they know it's a you know, certain date or time of year, they might bring it up. And, you know, we all have to just kind of do our best here because again, our training is to, um, our deep training is to tread lightly that hurting is shameful and something that is a sign of weakness. Um, and who wants to, you know, bring that out in a conversation. But I can tell you if, as the person grieving, no one asks how you're doing, that can feel really crappy too. So don't assume we don't want to talk about our loved ones after they have died. And thank you for listening to this podcast. And yeah, this is just it's good information. I love uh, striking up conversations about this because of course, because the grief experience, yes, it's universal, but it's also very unique. And everyone will have their own kind of version of um, what this looks like and whether they're comfortable or not. And some may say they don't, they don't ever want anybody to ask them. They just don't even want to think about it. And that is fine. But just know that if we're not talking about the person that's died, especially if the person was really involved um, in the griever's life and really present and really well-loved or attached then it's going to it's going to be there it needs to um have a way to kind of come out or if it doesn't then the person grieving just gets in this hellish cycle of um shame and disappointment and then we throw a little like self-battering in there mentally like you should be over this by now or you know you're stronger than this or you know don't <laughs> don't keep dwelling on the past or something you know, two of my children died. The past is as much a part of me as my future. So it took me a while to figure that out. But in any event, yeah, please share any information or any experiences you might have with this or suggested questions or or something that was asked that was maybe uncomfortable and you got through it and kind of how that happened. I have a, a great story about that that I've blogged about um, where I was asked uh, at a party, you know, if my daughter was doing better, because the person had known that she was sick, but she didn't know that Alexis had died. So in front of a lot of people, she was all, how's your daughter doing? Is she better? And I was all, no, 
<laughs> she actually died and it was terrible. But what I was able to do in that moment was say to that person who was only trying to be supportive, hey, there's nothing that either of us can say right now. Let's just move on. Thank you for asking. I appreciate your care. And uh, and yeah, we moved on. It was terrible. I should have never been out of the house on that day. I don't think wasn't ready for those holidays. But back to our point, many of us want to talk about our loved ones long after they have died. So let's try to give each other the gift of presence and that opportunity to do that. And as we do so, we still do our own best to stay present and to stay grateful and to stay healing. And as always, I hope there's something valuable in this couple of minutes uh, that you can take forward. And I thank you so much for listening. <laughs>